0: hi everyone welcome to the self-publishing tips the trick show a series designed to give you insight into the world of self-publishing and marketing your books i'm your host for this special takeover episode where we previous guest authors on this podcast are going to turn questions back on to your normal hosts i'm author dl tillery guest author of episode 10 in season one i'm known as the mistress of horror i am married to all the other genres but i am the mistress of horror which means i am a multi-genre writer but horror is my passion. I've been writing tales since I was five years old and was first published for my poetry at 19. If you want to find out more about me, follow me on all my socials and here on YouTube. Today, I'm also joined by Sako Tumi, my co-host. Sako, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Sako Toomey, also known as Cass Foyt. I was a guest author of episode eight in season one. I am a self-published author three times over as of this video, and I write urban fantasy with horror overtones. I'm working on a course that pertains to marketing for authors, so keep an eye out for that. Ooh, sounds interesting.
0: Uh, Today, we're here with Shannon, writing under the pen name S.D. Houston, Ben Pick, and Morgan Lee. We're going to ask them questions about self-publishing and marketing their works. But before we jump into the interviews, do you have anything exciting happening in your author life or points of interest that you want to talk about,
1: Sako? I have reunited with my co-author, B.C. Brown Books, over the sequel to Flambeau. We're taking a much more relaxed approach this time so we can work on our own projects as well. I am also working on converting a six book series into serialized episodes for Nano. I spent the summer on writers and publishers, panels in in in-person conventions, including Imaginarium in Louisville, Kentucky, Balticon in Baltimore, Maryland, and Necronomicon in Florida.
0: Ooh, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Um, I have a few things coming up. I'm a poet in conjunction with my fiction writing. So my first poetry collection will be releasing on December 19th on Amazon for paperback and ebook and audiobook to follow. I'll be doing the audiobook reading myself because why not? And everyone's heard my Lair of the Mistress at this point. Um, Then my book launch Kickstarter for my debut novel, my debut dark fantasy novel, Kali Tale of Light Virgin. Book one will be open late January to early February. So that's what I have going on at the moment. Trying to just limit the things a little.
1: (laughs) I know that feeling.
0: Yes. All right. So now let's talk about our guest authors today. Your normal host. S.D. Houston is a fantasy romance and YA fantasy author with a passion for writing about broken characters who face adversity to become a better version of themselves. And there may or may not be dragons, but there's always love to find. She's also the founder of the Off the Tube Writing Conference, which is heading into its third year. And on her YouTube channel, she does weekly writing live streams and podcast content videos about writing and self-publishing. Now, Ben Pick is an avid runner and application security analyst who enjoys writing character-focused stories in his spare time. He also posts weekly videos on YouTube about the writing process and running to write, where he compares writing to the struggles of running. He loves getting lost in worlds, from the books and games he enjoys to the stories he creates. When not writing, running, or gaming, he takes care of potentially the laziest plot hound in the world. (laughs) Morgan Lee is a freelance editor and multi-genre indie author. Seed Among the Thorns is the first book in her young adult dark fantasy trilogy. A lover of imaginary worlds and the smell of ink on a page and spinning in the wind. Morgan has been writing since the age of six and has always dreamed of being an author because writing will always be easier than speaking. Welcome, everyone. Would you please take a moment to introduce yourself and talk about anything we missed?
2: Yeah, uh, I think you covered everything in the bio. I took that line from about every author that we interviewed, because I say that usually. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's coming out December 15th. I'm looking forward to uh, going on my vacation, because actually I will start vacation the next day for a whole month. So, uh, yeah, we'll be... I'm just looking forward to that time, that downtime of just getting away. And I, and I know I'll end up writing because whenever I start taking time off, I get like all these ideas that just flood me and I just have to write a bunch of stuff down. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, thanks. That's Perfect. All right, Ben.
3: Sure, sure. I don't have anything else to update with that. I will have my third book with a wonderful let me see if I can point the right direction. Wonder, yeah. <laughs> wonderful uh, wonderful editor at that time. So uh, I will likely be working on the fourth book in my manuscript. I'll probably start drafting it out as I do during my downtime while I send out my books to professional editors. So hopefully I'm playing, well, I'm, I am going to publish my third book next year and I'll be starting to write the fourth one after that.
4: Wow.
0: Inspiration right there. All <laughs> righty, Morgan.
4: Um, so, nothing else to add with the bio. Um, but what I have coming up, I am also working on my third book, and that should be out pretty early 2024. And after that, I have a cozy fantasy series that I'm planning to start as well in 2024. So, you'll have that to look forward to.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, I now, now is.
4: Oh, did
2: you? Yeah, yeah, I just got Morgan's chapters to critique. Uh, she sent them yesterday, but I saw them this morning. So, I'm looking forward to it for that third book.
0: I love the covers, by the way. Thank you. They're fire. I was on Amazon checking them out. I have to get these. Of course, I love dark fans. I was like, these are fire. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go right into the questions. The drilling will begin. <laughs> um, so Shannon, you are first. Um, so what made you want to start writing loaded questions?
2: Uh, I was always a storyteller. And I realized that, you know, I, I was always telling stories to my brothers and they would say, make up a new one because my brothers were younger. So um, I would always tell them stories. And um, and then I wrote my first book. It was a class assignment that we had to write a book and it was 16 pages long. I, I illustrated it as well. And I used yarn to put the pages all together with the cover and everything. And I was like, That's I so really cool. like it. it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I really love this. I want to do this forever. And I remember telling my parents then, of course, they were like, Yeah, you can't make it as a writer, so you might want to think of something else. <laughs> um, but, um I always knew since that I was nine years old when that happened. So I was just always knew I was I wanted to be a writer and I, I wrote all the time. So
1: awesome. Are you comfortable discussing any publishing missteps or things which you would have liked to have done differently?
2: I have probably two different things. So one, I wish I understood what it meant to, you know, study trends in the market to understand what's popular because I thought I knew when I was writing my first series. But as the series progressed, I realized that I was writing Irish mythology. I was marketing it as a YA Irish mythology and it should have been a hint to me, but I didn't know what I didn't know that there was that the fact that there was no category on Amazon for Irish mythology, that it was going to be hard to market that book to people because of it. <laughs> So I wish I kind of knew that better, but I think in some ways I wouldn't have known that without jumping in and doing what I've done. Um, but I kind of regret all the money I spent on the series. <laughs> and that would run into the second part, which is that I, you know, I spent a lot of money on the book launches for the first book, second book, third book. I think it would be better for newer authors, and if, I, if I'd known this, I would probably would have done this myself, which is, you know, you don't want to launch to no fanfare. You do kind of want to get your book out there, but I don't think I would have spent as much money. I would avoid it until I had a more established base and then spent that much money on marketing.
0: Great. Um, all right, so what advice do you have for self-published authors from the moment they push the publish button?
2: Take a moment to celebrate. You've done something you've accomplished. Even if you don't sell a single copy, you did something that not everybody does or can do. So if you've been able to take that step and you put yourself out there, which is very hard to put yourself out there, celebrate the moment. That makes sense.
0: Alrighty, Ben, we're coming your way. <laughs> All right, so tell us a little bit about your journey to self-publishing your first book, Ben.
3: Sure, sure. So this was... Quite a few years ago, even though I published last year my my debut novel falling through, and I've growing up, I always felt like I had stories that I wanted to tell. I always like you, I think yeah that that was in my bio where you know I've always been in these worlds within my own head that I just wanted to kind of share with everyone out there. And I got to a point where I just started putting these ideas down, and then the more I put down, the more it sort of built off each other, and the more these seemingly disconnected events could be tied together and the the glue getting them together in i won't even call it zero drafts but the the things that held those events together were contrived at best so i had to fundamentally break down that original version of the story and repair it and build it back up stronger and stronger and stronger until i got to a story that i really wanted to tell and so i feel like i've always had these ideas in me and it's just a matter of getting them out on paper and more importantly getting them out onto paper as best I can from what I see in my head, because that is uh, something I struggle with in that I have these wonderfully vivid, vivid images in my mind. I have these incredible conversations where I'm in the shower and I'll just be thinking like, hey, this person needs to talk to this person. They need to say this, then the other. And then as soon as I go to my computer and start typing, things sort of get lost in translation. But I try to capture those moments as best I can, those eureka moments.
1: How did you make the decision to self-publish versus traditionally publishing did anything or anyone inspire you to self-publish?
3: Yeah, certainly, certainly. I think it was about control, where if I went the traditional route, I sent out a few query letters, I did a round of editing while I was still kind of fumbling around and trying to figure out exactly where I wanted to go. And I documented all that on uh, you know for, for, for you all as well. But I think that my story, well, I know that my story is difficult to market and I would have to change it in ways that I wouldn't want to to make it fit within a specific genre and to be able to be marketed for a query letter for a traditional publisher so that they could then market it out to a broader audience. I feel like my stories feel a little niche where, you know, not everybody likes them. Not everybody likes the struggles that they would be the characters will be going through. But I tried to still write it you know, universally so that anybody could pick up a book and enjoy it. But ultimately, I wrote this story for me, and now I'm trying to expand that out to get other people to pick it up and and try it out.
1: Would you ever consider traditional publishing?
3: Sure, certainly. I have nothing against it. It's just I, I don't think I have enough clout to want to keep my stories as they are. I feel like, again, I would need to make some drastic changes to make them more... To make a traditional publisher want to invest in my book, it would need to be attractive to a broader audience. I think that the general public. So I would need to, I would need to change some things within my story that I wouldn't necessarily want to do. So maybe in a future book, I could I work on traditional publishing, but I, I like I said, I, if a traditional publisher sees my book and wants to pick it up, I would absolutely say yes in a heartbeat.
0: Alrighty, Morgan, here we go. Um, when did you start writing your first tale and what, or your thoughts behind this tale?
4: Okay, so I kind of have two answers for this. Um, the first little books that I ever wrote, like Shannon, um, with like the printed out notebook paper, drawing the pictures, I started doing that in like first, second grade. Um, and I would write about the my doll, the Amazing Amy doll, if you, if anyone has ever had an Amazing Amy. yeah, was the main character of all of my stories. And I would tell like little, Adventures that she'd go on, like Amy's worst birthday, Amy's best friend moves away, stuff like that. So, those were my first little stories. But the first, like, full length book that I ever wrote was based on a project in my fourth grade class where we had to read The Lion of Witch in the Wardrobe. And then, after reading that, our assignment was to write our own fantasy world. And that is when I attribute my real falling in love with writing and creating fantasy worlds. And that story is still like the book of my heart. Um, I started in the fourth grade, finished, I think, senior year of high school. And it's it's really bad, but it's mine. <laughs> and It's a whole book. And it was the first thing that I ever like finished. And it's just, yeah, it's like, I think, now I would classify the genre as regency romance, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. pretty There was kings and queens, and a war, and things happened, and it was it was great. <laughs>
1: cool, love it. Yeah. What one misconception did you have about self-publishing before you published your work?
4: I thought that it was going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I yeah. Um, cause I I got
0: this, no problem.
4: (laughs) It's not, it's not easy, but when I started, I put my, that book I wrote in art that I finished senior year. I put that, well, first I queried it, which I shouldn't have, and then after I failed the query trenches. I was like, "Oh, create space before KDP was saying, thing. Create space. Ooh, I could just put it up here, and then it'll sell millions of copies, and I'll be famous." <laughs> and so, yeah, that—that's kind of what I did. And yeah, that—that's my misconception <laughs> that I have. It's not easy. There's a lot of work behind it.
0: It's cool to hear that actually from a Polish author. I think people would be able to connect with that. Um, so. Are you comfortable discussing any publishing missteps or things which you would have liked to have done differently?
4: Yes. So so in the same vein of thinking it's going to be easy and just putting up any kind of draft, I kind of did the same thing with my debut novel, Seed Among the Thorns. So that has gone through like an extensive journey from conception of idea to the final product that it is now but i i kind of i have a must have a hard time learning my lessons because i did the (laughs) same thing that i did with my first book i put up the first draft and thought that it was like good enough and it was going to sell without any marketing don't know how that was going to work but um i put i put it up there and I just regret not giving my stories like enough love and attention and like not self-editing at like I should have and not investing in, you know, editors and marketing and cover design for our visual user or not users, our visual listeners. Sounds, that's an oxymoron. Anyway, for our visual audience, that's what it, that's the word. I kind of dug up the first copy of Seed Among the Thorns before, or before it was Seed Among the Thorns, it has a generic cover that I did on Create Space, and it was called Bondage. And fun fact, if you call it book Bondage, Amazon puts it in erotica, which this is not. So that's okay. another mistake okay. <laughs> that I made. So yeah, I would just put more love and attention into creating my my story. So
0: that was a really roundabout answer. but That's great advice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> here. All right, Shannon, we're bringing it back to you for some more questions. So what marketing do you do for your books? And please don't hold back because all of us need to know this, like every little thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, my marketing plan is pretty uh, complex, everything that I do. So I do the things that most people think of when it comes to marketing, which is like you know, advertisements and social media, you know, I've taken advantage of that. I do Amazon ads. I haven't tried ads on Facebook yet, and I haven't tried them on BookBub, just Amazon. And uh, the social media, of course, mm-hmm. I have uh, YouTube and Instagram, and I did open a TikTok account this year, so I started with that. But then I also do book promos. Now, my book promotions, and that's like The Fussy Librarian or uh, BookBongo or book Barbarian, or Booksy or FreeBooksy, I did a ton of those last year. And when I was looking at figures for Ben's episode that we recorded yesterday, I'd spent over sixteen hundred dollars on those uh types of advertisements last year. And this year I've only spent a hundred and like thirty-four dollars. So huge difference. The other ways that I market, which could be a little bit not really thought of as marketing, but it is, is like getting book reviews. I use voracious readers only to connect my book with uh, interested readers who get the book with the idea that they would leave a book review. And getting those book reviews is important for your marketing because it can boost your book's uh, visibility and credibility and then it creates that social proof. So there's that. I also do a lot of networking through like Story Origin and I joined Book Funnel this year and I'm also part of like a women's fantasy group. So there, that's like book promotions, group promotions, swaps, that kind, that kind of stuff and review promotions as well. So there's, there's definitely a lot to do. And then the biggest thing that I probably did this year, as far as marketing, is doing a Kickstarter. So, um, and that is a marketing tactic that combines crowdfunding with book promotion. And and, in essentially, I think I, I came to the realization during Ben's episode yesterday, when we were filming it that like, oh, well, this is really a free tactic to market because you don't pay to be on Kickstarter. Yep. So and everything you would pay for to start, you would do anyways, like getting a good book cover, having good editing done, having a good book blurb if you pay for that or you do it yourself. Either way, you have to have all those things in place or you should have all those things in place before doing your Kickstarter, which is the same as if you're trying to just put it up on Amazon and market it somehow. So, um, yeah, so I have I've do a lot of different marketing things. I think that covers everything. Oh, email marketing. That's another big one, right? So email marketing is a, is a huge part of my marketing plan. Uh, I have over, I hit actually 5,700 subscribers this morning, which means I need to call because mm. I know there's some that, um, don't do what I need them to do to be part of my, my group. And if, you know, people are not being interactive, I don't want to keep them. I know there's different thoughts of, uh, I use different ideas of whether or not you should keep everyone on your email list, but since I do not make back the money that I spend on my email list every month, I am not going to keep around subscribers who are not doing anything. who are not interested in my writing. want to move.
1: As an indie author who's had a successful Kickstarter, what are three tips that you would give to another author interested in doing a book launch Kickstarter?
2: Number one, give yourself plenty of time. (laughs) So um, (laughs) I was told three months. I gave myself six weeks thinking, well, I'm pretty industrious because I know I'm pretty busy compared to uh, most people I know. And it still was not enough time. I basically didn't sleep that last week. (laughs) So um, definitely give yourself more time. And I would say if you could give yourself more time than three months, I would do it. You know, that does mean... That may not work in some models for people who are trying to publish quickly. Like they get a book done, they're like, I want to just get this out. That won't work because you need to give yourself time to learn the platform and get it set up. And the second tip is, is treat it like you would indie, any other publishing platform. You spend time learning Amazon and how to publish on Amazon and what's the best categories to choose and how should you present your book same thing for Kickstarter. It has its own rules that it plays by, not necessarily the same as Amazon or Draft2Digital or Ingram or wherever else it is that you upload your book to. I would say, though, that it takes more time to learn what works and what doesn't work on Kickstarter. Although I would say Amazon could take as much time if you really put the time into it. But the thing with Amazon is that you do have tools that can help you speed up the process like, you know, it's made by Kindlepreneur, KDP Rockets, a paid service or a paid uh, software, one-time fee. It gives you, helps you with categories, keywords, all that. It does all of your searching and research for you for the Amazon platform. So if you've paid the money for that, it's a shortcut to get to that stuff. Same thing if you pay for like the Kalytics reports. It gives you a shortcut to what the covers look like in your genre versus you spending the time doing it. There's no shortcuts when it comes to Kickstarter, especially for publishing any type of book, whether it's uh, there's probably a little more history on comic books than there are in graphic novels and there are on fiction and um, children's books and stuff. Those are still relatively new. So there's not a huge backlist of stuff to go through, but it still takes time to learn how to platform set up and find the stuff that's going to help you determine what's going to work for your genre on the platform. And I didn't do a third tip. Third tip, have good graphics.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Ben, what was the best money that you ever spent? marketing books.
3: This is going to sound a little ironic, but it was a through Kindle. It's called free book promotions. Now I did that in conjunction with several other services, but I have my books right now, the eBooks, and I dropped the price down to free for a one week period or five days or whatever the maximum amount is. I did that on the first book's anniversary. And in conjunction with that, I spent money on Sapphire Inc. Press and Free Booksy. So with those two services that I did spend the money on, it linked everything through to, uh, to, to to my KDP or to a book funnel that I had where the book was also free. And between those, I had a significant spike in books that were downloaded. And in addition to that, it sort of funnels people through. And I noticed a slight bump in the number of sales of my second book. So when I go through and I'm publishing book number three, I'm going to try and do the exact same thing where I offer the first book for free and hope that that sort of trickles through to the second and then third book.
0: Oh, good advice. All right, Morgan, if you could only pass on one thing to aspiring self-published writers, what's your best marketing tip or trick?
4: I think my best tip would be to try everything at least once because... You never know what is going to produce fruit or what's going to work for you. I'm not the best at marketing yet. I still have a lot of different things I want to try and a lot of things to learn about marketing. But I say that be open to trying anything and do your research on the different types of marketing that are available, both free and paid. So you can um, tailor it to what is going to work for you.
1: Shannon, how much time do you spend working as an author versus other writing-related stuff like editing, finding readers or reviewers, marketing your books, etc.?
2: I wish I would have thought to do this ahead of time, but this year I've been tracking everything. Um, mostly, I started the year off really well, tracking all my writing time and what I spent editing, what I spent looking for reviewers and stuff. But when the Kickstarter stuff started happening, and I was also doing the Alpha Tube Writing Conference. Then it kind of, I kind of, that's part of also why I didn't sleep for that last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, so then I stopped really tracking everything like I should have. And I didn't know I wasn't writing during, during that time, which I was mostly worried about or more concerned with w- tracking my writing time. So I've done a lot more writing this year than I have before, but. My goal was to try to do it at least like 60% writing time and then the rest 40%, which I started off the year really great until I hit about June. And then that went more to like 90% everything else and 10% writing stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. but I, I'm in the process of flipping back now. I've, I've got a lot of writing done in the last few weeks. And uh, so I would say that my stuff is seasonal. I think that's what I'm finding with me, especially I think because of my own tendencies and I haven't been diagnosed with anything, but I do find that if I can concentrate on a single task all day long, I can get a lot done on that single task versus if I try to split it up, like do a little bit of writing and do a little bit of uh, finding reviewers and do a little bit of, uh, author tube stuff. And you know, if I split up like that, I don't get as much done when I split up, but there are days when you don't have a choice because you have deadlines. And those are days where I'm not as productive, but I still try to get my deadlines done. So. so I say that what works best for me is seasonal, where I have you know periods where I do tons and tons of writing. And I can usually write a lot, especially if I'm dictating. Um, I can get a lot of writing done. I wrote uh, 20 plus thousand words last week. The week before I wrote about 15,000 words in the week. So yeah, I can do a lot of writing uh, in in when I'm in my writing time, if that's all I'm doing that day. Then I apply the same effort to to other things as well. So yeah, seasons work better for me. I just know if this is my writing time this is my you know marketing time this is my author platform time <laughs> cool
0: um what is a day of planned writing like for you can you give us a quick rundown like when you sit in the chair or you get coffee or whatever it is you did
2: Yeah. So I usually, yeah, start, I get my first cup of coffee. Usually I always know, I say always, I'm sure there was a day in there somewhere in the last few years, this wasn't true, but I always know usually what I'm going to write when I sit down to write. I'm, uh, I do a lot of visual plotting. I don't know how else to explain it because I don't do plotting on paper, but I play out scenes over and over and over again in my head all the time. It's always happening. My brain does not shut off. So, um, you know, I'm constantly seeing what's going to happen. And I see the words in the, in, on the scene sometimes like, okay, this is the right word that I need to use here. So when I sit down, I already know what I'm going to do and what I'm going to write. That's usually get started. And because I'm more of also a discovery writer, I may already know what I want to do, but it always ends up changing as I start writing. So then now I'm thinking of what I'm doing as I'm writing, <laughs> so, um, but Yes. Uh, plotting does not work for me. I have tried it. I've told myself I could do so much better. If I could plot, I could get things done faster, but then I get bored by writing, which was not the whole reason why I quit working to write. I went to enjoy my writing. So I just realized I have to work within my own capabilities of what works best for me. Did I answer the question? Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes okay. sense. All right, then what three key points to creating a captivating lead character in your opinion, what are the three key points for
3: that? Yeah, for the first thing I would say make them dynamic. So you want them to change over time. And yes, there are exceptions to that, where you have, you know, your your archetype of some military soldier who is the exact same grunt that they are at the beginning and at the end. But for the most stories, you want to have your characters go on a journey and be changed by it. Whereas, like with those, you know, archetypes, it feels like they're more reactionary where they will always be this go-getter whatever but you want your characters to to change and grow and adapt to the scenarios that that they come across and then the second thing i would say make them real throw in some unique characteristic from someone you know or something some odd quirk to make them stand out so that they don't feel like they're just a flat character moving from point a to point b that's two and then number three make them fun so make them a character who you would want to hang out with in a bar maybe not within the confines of the story where it's all life and death or where you know they might be going through some incredible drama or some point where they have to act out. But I enjoy stories a lot more when I feel like I could actually know these characters that they were real or even make them so that they feel real as opposed to characters who are honestly terrible people. And then I'm just like, well, why do I care if they survive the story or not? I'd love that. That's good advice.
1: What advice would you give when planning a book series? Ooh.
3: This is something I'm struggling with right now. You don't need to know exactly where the story is completely going. I mean, I have a vague idea of where I want to ultimately end up with my series. I'm planning for six books, but again, that has balloon that is shortened down. It's really helpful to know where you want to go. Uh, While I'm working on, like I said, book three, I'm planning out book four. I have ideas for book five. I know vaguely where I want to go for book six, but I can start introducing plot elements or tiny threads or specific lines or places where i want the characters to go i can introduce that in say book one for things that won't get flushed out or realized until book three and that is book two wouldn't have happened without book one and then book three wouldn't have happened without books two and one so i was kind of building in these easter eggs here and there throughout the entire experience
1: what are you working on next
3: finishing out the series it's going to be a few years before i get there but like i said i'm planning out book four i'm planning where i want to go for book five actually i was almost late to this interview because i was writing down some ideas of where i wanted book four to go and then that naturally flowed into some ideas where i wanted to get in book five and then eventually book six so i was just sitting at my computer just tapping away ideas as quick as i could and then i had to race down to my basement to set up my recording studio
0: Okay, Morgan, what does your typical writing life look like? Do you plan to write for a set period of time every day? Have a weekly slash monthly yearly
4: word count goal? So I don't really have any kind of word count goal when it comes to my writing. I don't, I'm not really motivated by word count goals. So sometimes like nano is hard because I can write 50,000 words, but for me, that's like half the book. So it's like not a whole book. Um, Oh,
0: you're one of those writers. Uh huh.
4: Yeah, I'm (laughs) long-winded. I I write long things. And then for my typical writing life, I don't I don't write every day. And kind of like Shannon, if I I like to have just one singular task to focus on. So if I'm writing, then I'm going to spend like all day writing. I'm gonna get whatever done. So I don't really have those goals. I just the goal is just to finish. And it, however long that takes me is however long it takes me. This year, I've been trying to experiment a little bit more. Earlier this year, I've, I participated in the 24 hour writing challenge. And then this past, I kind of failed. But this past like, in, I think it was earlier in September, they did the seven day book challenge with Mama Maggie. And thank um, SD Heggis and Carol Brown over on YouTube, mm-hmm. and they did the seven-day book challenge. So I've just been doing a lot of different challenges like that to see what works best for me because I'm the writer who doesn't like drafting. I like <laughs> revision and editing and making the story better, and I like to have words to work with. So yeah i've just been trying like oh is fast drafting gonna work for me do i have to outline the whole thing should i discovery write so my writing life is kind of all up in the air and i kind of just try to be flexible learn and kind of grow with what i'm naturally what i naturally like to do and try to toss in little methods and stuff from other people's writing processes
1: (laughs) If you were offered a movie deal for one of your books, would you take it if the deal was the, that someone else would write the
4: screenplay,
1: and you would need to accept the changes as they saw fit? Please so elaborate on why you would or would not.
4: No, I would not. And that is because, I mean, that's kind of why I'm, I'm a self-published indie author. I like control. I like my story. I wrote the story that I wanted to write. And if I want, if I'm going to see it adapted into the screen, whether book or movie, I want to have some kind of say in it. I want to be, I want to be there to, to write the screenplay. I want to have, be able to have input on casting choices and changes from book to movie or book to TV. Like I want to be involved in the writer's
0: room the creation of of my story because I like control. Girl after my own heart. I definitely can understand that one. Um, You're definitely better than I am.
2: (laughs) I would be the same way. There's a reason why I'm self-publishing. I like the control.
0: That's why I went after control. Hey, We like control. people can't handle our control too bad.
4: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, Morgan, if you had to pick between writing sci-fi, romance, or horror, which one of these genres would you write? And why would you choose that one over the others?
4: It would definitely be horror. Oh, Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were a fantasy person like me. I mean, I am, but like, since I write dark fantasy, which kind of like borders on the horror. It's um, a child
0: of horror, for sure.
4: Yeah, Yeah, and I like writing the darker things. And I used to be a really avid horror horror reader when I was younger. Don't read as much horror stuff as I do now. And then it could be middle grade horror, it could be adult horror, young adult horror. There's, so it doesn't have to be, like, gory or, like, scary. There's
0: so many layers of <laughs> horror, scary. so yeah. Yeah. To
4: <laughs> and then, like, romance, I like, I am I am dabbling in romance, but I don't think I want to stay there for if that was the only thing I could write, I don't think I, I, I could stay in that lane for a long time and then sci-fi it's just not my jam I like sci-fi but I don't think that I would want to only only write sci-fi over yeah. there and
2: I realized fantasy was not even a choice that was given to you so maybe
0: <laughs> yeah we didn't even give you a choice t- to so that <laughs> but sometimes sci-fi is very horror-esque too it can be depending on what type of sci-fi it is of course yeah so hmm she's a horror buff mm-hmm, look at that I didn't know this okay all right and now let's hear some questions from other authors who've guessed on the show but couldn't make the recording
1: Hi, I'm A.F. Stewart, author of fantasy, horror, and poetry, as well as a podcaster and graphic designer. You can find me and my books at afstewart.ca. And uh, this question is for all three of you, for Shannon, Ben, and Morgan. And it's, have you used any of the tips and tricks from your show in your own publishing journey?
3: My answer is absolutely. Some of the first people we brought in were newsletter experts, and based on what they told us, I started my own monthly newsletter. I've also updated that with each person that comes in and shares some new piece to include within newsletters or just within marking ourselves. So now I use my newsletter when I had the one-year book anniversary and when I have important episodes coming up, like my 100th episode or just to share fun dog photos where I can get a little bit of who I am out to a much wider audience. I think that is a great way to showcase what I'm capable of as a writer and to just meet other people out there in the community, whether or not they support me through my books or on YouTube. It's just fun to get responses and to see how people react to fun pictures of Rufus. There's also multiple efforts from recent interviews that I wanted to experiment with. We talked to people who are experts on Ream and have achieved some great successes there, so that's something that I want to experiment with. And Ream is a subscription service where authors can directly interact with readers and dedicated fans give not only their works, but additional bonuses like weekly or monthly meetups and in-progress chapters. So once I get more time, likely after I finish publishing my third book, I'll look into Ream. So that way I can show the entire process that I followed to write and then publish my fourth novel. And I think that would be a great way to pull back the curtain and explain my own process. Get pretty fast feedback from fans between what does work and what doesn't work.
4: Excellent question. So yes, I have definitely used the things that I've learned here on the podcast in my own writing and publishing journey. Especially this year, I've been in a research Phase. So I've just been taking a lot of notes on a lot of the stuff everyone has said from book launches to subscription platforms and kind of just keeping record of what I would like to use in my own publishing journey in the future. So, yes, this podcast has definitely been a wealth of information that I am so excited to use in my publishing journey.
2: I have used several of the tips and tricks from our show for my own publishing journey. While I could probably point out something from every episode, there are some that come to mind right away with this question. And the biggest one is A.L. Knorr, who we had in our first season. And the biggest thing that is part of my life right now is when she talked about writing a series non-linearly. And this is the first time I ever heard of a non-linear series and writing that way in which the storyline between books is all happening at the same time, you're with different characters and it's a way to market those books one at a time as if they're a first in series because they are standalone books and she did this with four girls who were friends and they text message each other so you got a little bit of the other girls stories throughout each of the books and I have read all the books just so I could see how she did this I also love the stories as well and I reached out to her and I said I'm really inspired by what you did and I think I want to do it as well and she gave me some tips and tricks on what she would have done differently to make it better and so hopefully I've done justice to to her suggestions and I'm doing that right now with the series that I'm writing. My first three books are all happening at the same time. It's three brothers. They cross over into each other's stories. And it's very difficult to do, let me tell you. But the good part is is I do get to market each book as a standalone, but it's also part of a series. And so if someone likes it well enough, they'll pick up the next book, but then they don't have to pick up that first book I wrote at you know first they could they could pick it up second or third so i really love this idea and then there's one more thing that she talked about that took away from her interview that has actually kind of shaped a lot of my thinking and what i want to do in my author life which is the one tip that she gave on this was baby your newsletter subscribers And so that is, you know, whenever you have a cover reveal, you show them first. If you've got the next title of your next book, you tell them first. You you tell your newsletter subscribers everything first. They get it first. You baby them. And I love this idea because it is a it is a way to connect to the people who are reading your books. You're connecting to your readers. And I love that idea of knowing that something I'm writing is speaking to someone, that is entertaining them in some way, or that it, it. says something to them that is important. Whatever it is, I like to have that connection and knowing that I am doing something that someone enjoys. And this has actually gone on to shape a lot of the decisions that I've made over the last year in my author life. I've kept that baby my newsletter subscribers. I've kept that. I do that. I do everything first with my newsletter subscribers. I'd probably say the next thing that influenced me was when our very own A. Stewart, uh, she talked about cover design and colors, and she talked about how green covers don't really sell book covers. And my my first series is all green and I did this because it is a, a national identity color for the Irish my books are Irish mythology but it just it really pushed me to see that as much as I enjoyed writing my first series it's not where I want it to be and I felt like like that moment of yes green covers don't sell well Irish mythologies don't really sell either I think it's the wrong wrong time for that market right now I don't think many people are looking for it so that really pushed me to say okay yeah I need to really think about what I'm doing if I do want to get my work words into to hands of readers. What can I do? And of course then I made sure that my next book cover is- has blue because that's my favorite color and I don't really like green at all. So that, that really pushed me. Uh, there are some other tips and tricks that I've kind of put like in my back pocket that I'm like, okay, I'm saving this to use it in the future. A.F. Stewart was also from our first season. The next person, Ashanti Hersherson was also from our first season. She was actually our last guest of the first season and she blew me away with how much she was able to do in her life. I think she was only 15 at the time of the recording and I already had several books published and she was very knowledgeable. in her marketing steps. And the one thing that she really did was that she really got herself onto podcasts. She put herself out there and that's the way she did her marketing to sell her books. And I think this is a really great idea because I've mentioned it before in previous episodes, but either you have time or you have money when it comes to marketing. And of course, you could have both, but if you only have one or the other, you have to decide which one is more important to you. And of course, podcasts, generally are free. People don't typically charge for you to go on an interview, but it does take time to research a podcast and make sure that you're a good fit for their audience. And this is something I've always wanted to do, but I know it's gonna take time, so that's why it's in my back pocket, because I'm not there yet. Then the next thing was from our second season, Robert G. Culp, and he talked about a lot of great things, but one of the things he talked about was what he did with his perma-free book. He used serial platforms to put his perma-free book out there to draw readers in to learn more about him and his books, such as like Inkitt. He put his perma-free book on Inkitt, and I thought that's a great strategy. And I will do that one day, but I don't have a perma-free book yet. I want to get a few more books written, and then I'm going to probably make some of my books perma-free in the series that I have. So that is one that's in my back pocket. The next person that I have a tip from that is in my back pocket is from Estelle Vandeveld. She was our first guest of our third season. What she talked about was translations and she translated her English book into French and this is something I want to try. I think it's something that I could possibly do but it is something in my back pocket like way back pocket because it is something I do want to approach with translations eventually in the future. And then the last thing is from Inka York who was also in our third season and she talked about rain, which this just went right along with what i've been trying to do like i ream is something i've already been thinking about doing since it came out last year I did not jump on it then because at that time I was planning for my Kickstarter. So I've talked about how I want to get closer to my readers. I want to have that connection there with my readers a little bit more. It's different, you know, having a reader who is like through my Kickstarter that I did earlier this year, I was able to connect to readers directly versus me not knowing who's buying my book from Amazon or any of these other places where your books may be. Those are not as close of a connections unless they sign up on your newsletter list, which doesn't always necessarily happen. And I think Reem is the next step for me to be able to connect more with my readers. And that is something that is coming really, really soon. I'm already in the process of getting that set up and I should hopefully have it done and open by the end of January or February. So thank you so much for the question, AF Stewart. This was a really good and thoughtful question of the things that we've learned and the tips and tricks that we've learned from this podcast.
0: Thank you for your answers. Bye well the hosts of the self-publishing tips and tricks podcast have answered all of our questions can you all please tell our listeners where they can find you and purchase your books
2: Let's start with Shannon. So, I'm, so yeah, I'm Shannon. I write under the pen name of SC Houston. You can find me on my website, schouston.com. I also have a YouTube channel under the pen name of SC Houston. My books are wide now, so you can find them in most retailers and in your library. So please look for them there. So yeah, and I, at this moment, I probably will not have my Indiegogo still up. I mean, I haven't quite picked a date yet. I will, for a couple of weeks, be putting my, um, I'm putting together a special bundle to sell direct on my website. But when I get that bundle, up. I will also have pre-order sales up for the book on retailer platforms. So that may come at this point. Maybe not. I haven't decided on a date yet, but it's going to be within the month of December through January, somewhere in there. It's going to change. So look out for that.
3: Ben? Certainly. You can find me every week on Running to Write. The YouTube channel uh, comes out Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. I give questionable writing advice through Running Metaphors. My books are also available in any retailer you can find. I think Amazon is pro- probably the best one. I'm not white wire. I've shrunken down from wide since I'm focusing on being in KDP at the moment. I that think might it's kind of funny
2: how I went wide and you went to KU. <laughs> Well, there were some
3: there were some issues with Ingram Sparks, so I kind of shrunk down and now I'm exclusively with, with Amazon. So I will hopefully expand out, but for the moment Amazon is really working. Cool, oh, cool, call.
4: And Morgan? So you can find me on my website at authormorganly.com and I am on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube at author morgan lee. I have a secret pen name that is launching in 2024 that I should be announcing sometime in December when this episode comes out. So look forward to that. And you can buy my books on Amazon. Seed Among the Thorns is book 1, Seed Among the Rocks is book 2, and Seed Among Good Ground will be released early in
0: 2024. Nice forward to that so i really have enjoyed being the takeover host and my lovely co-host Sako with me um it's really fun and I mean I had to take some notes in between of the authors talking, like let me let me make sure I take some of these notes down. I gotta make sure I know these things. <laughs> I know all the things. So um it's a lot of information here and I really did enjoy it. It's a well of help, these type of shows for us authors, self published authors out here and us people who like to have control over things. <laughs> we need to know all the information.
2: So very um, that you agreed to to come yeah, and to cover too.
0: Of course, of course, anytime help everybody get like all the information they need so i'm all, I'm all willing to be a part of that because we all need help if we had some of us had help earlier on then these type of things were around really would have you know stopped a lot of the problems that we <laughs> so so happy that you all thought start- Um, took up the mantle to try to help a lot of us out so we appreciate you immensely you have no idea so um, before we say what's coming up next in the self-publishing tips and tricks podcast I want to give Sako a chance to say whatever it is you want to say and want to add before we go
1: Uh, It was really fun to kind of spin the table with this episode and ask you questions that I've always kind of wanted to ask you. So I'm really appreciative, especially since I'm just breaking into some of the stuff that we were talking about and, and, you know, marketing is my jam. Yeah, it was really great talk.
0: And do you have anything you want to let the listeners know, like where to find you and such?
1: Uh, you can Google me at Sako Tumi or Psycho Sako. Uh, you'll find all of my social media, my YouTube, maybe my website. Yeah, yeah, I'm google
2: a bowl. And all the links <laughs> will be in the show notes and des- description box. Cool, that really
0: helps. All right, I'm author D.L. Tillery, and I've been your host for this special episode. So you can find me on my links below because I like to do everything under one banner. I like to use Linktree so you can find literally everything. You'll click my Linktree and be like, whoa, why is she everywhere? Did she ever stay to one place? No, that's not, you won't be saying that to me. Um, and I'm on here, also here on YouTube. Thank you so much to the podcast listeners and viewers. This episode is the last long episode of season three. Shorter episodes for the self-publishing tips or tricks of the week will still be coming out every week. January 15th will start season four and there are several more exciting guest authors already lined up for the next season. Hopefully we'll learn more from authors such as Troy Lambert, who just published a book about SEO for authors, and Emma Bennett, a hybrid author of contemporary romance and children's picture books. So I always have something I like to say at the end of anything I have to do with. So I must say it here, even though this isn't a scary place, but (laughs) stay scared.